0: You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network. ChristianHumanist.org
1: Perhaps we need some outside universal threat.
2: The scientist, the writer, the artist is challenged. If
3: we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. The challenge must be taken up. And yet
1: I ask you. Is not an alien force already among us? I got nothing going
3: on You
0: got nothing going on I need something to do We need something to do You should know by now that Ben and the Bugatti He's a member of the Good Illuminati Thanks for downloading another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast where we love our institutions so much we have to burn them down. You can talk back at us at our Facebook page, Twitter, or our website, sectarianreviewpodcast.com. And whether you love to hate us or hate to love us, please go to iTunes and review the show. That helps other people find us. Now sit back and enjoy. I don't really have to, because I'm so bored here. I'm just going to say that, and straight up ignore it here. If you want to be a slave to technology, do whatever that
2: you like, do whatever, baby. Because I, oh, I, I don't care.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's all right, all right. I really yeah. know. Sense of decency, sir, at long last, have you left no sense of decency?
0: Thanks everybody for downloading another episode of Sectarian Review. My name's Danny Anderson, as always. Uh, I'm today joined by three other guests. There's a panel of four. It's going to be kind of a fun one, uh, and I want to get right into it here in a second. But first, I just want to make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, being, I haven't officially announced this as of the recording date yet, but be on the lookout for a special contest where uh, you will be people. I'm, I'm asking for folks to write a, uh, a, a ad for a fake product that we could read periodically during the show and there's some little giveaways that are involved with that. I've already gotten a couple of uh, interesting ideas from a listener too and so uh, be be thinking about those and uh, just know that I am in an extraordinarily busy season of uh, recording these episodes. Uh, There'll be like seven or eight recorded by the end of this month Uh, so uh, be looking for a uh, a number of new episodes coming down the pike. In the summer I may have to go to a -a once-a-week schedule just to clear you're the field, <laughs> so I, I'm not recording a year's worth of episode by May, and so uh, be on the lookout. We've, we've been really busy, and I have a lot of cool stuff coming your way real tr- real soon, including later this week, an episode about the late Jack Chick and his beloved Chick Tracks. so that will be uh, coming down the highway fairly soon, So, um, but on to the show today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Akira Kurosawa movie from 1950 called Rashomon, uh, and I am joined by uh, three Three Christian humanist uh, luminaries uh, to talk about this today and I'm gonna take them in the order that they appear on my Skype phase uh, page uh, Carter <laughs> Carter Stepper uh, is, is my first guest uh, Carter how's it going
2: doing well today Danny thanks
0: good uh, do you want to remind everybody who you are
2: yeah um, I'm a I'm up here in Eastern Washington I teach at a private um, small private Christian school I teach high school history and civics um, I uh, was on the sci-fi episode with you, and I've been listening to the Christian Humans podcast for a long time. In fact, um, this network of shows is what kept me sane through many years of working in an office. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm happy to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on again.
0: Excellent. And joining Carter and I is Todd Pedler uh, from the Book of Nature podcast. Uh, Todd, how are you doing?
1: Well, I'm all right. Uh, I'm all right. We're uh, um, we're getting into spring here finally. I mean, spring has sprung. Um, why do I always talk about weather? I wonder.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, I, I guess that's just sort of our thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's you and Gilmore. I had Gilmore on recently too, and the first thing is the weather. I'm like, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Well, I, I'm
1: I'm 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 just I'm I'm in in denial about the pile of grading I've got. Uh, the, you know, stacked up before spring break and and then you know Easter break which we have as a separate entity here at Luther, um, uh, didn't help. Because <laughs> I actually took a break. Uh, you know, so. Darn, darn yeah, resurrection.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, so And uh, joining uh, Todd and Carter and I is Michael Farmer from the Christian Humanist podcast, The Flagship. Uh, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm good, Danny. Thank you for having me on again. Oh, no, I'm Especially glad. Especially without to. my father. I wasn't sure if he would want <laughs> just me. That's right. Uh, we had Michael and Michael's father on to talk about Merle Haggard uh, when he died. Well, it was About a year ago now, probably, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, I, I think it was last March. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that was a lot of fun for me. And, and you know Michael's always welcome on this show. I got to get Grubbs on. Um, Grubbs is the only one of the original three mm. that hasn't been on this show. And we've been talking Do about... Do an
3: episode about kung fu movies. Kung
0: <laughs> well, We've, Ooh. we've Ooh. been talking about I that. <laughs> doing... Uh, there was a... A quarter mass, something, some old uh, BBC series about uh, finding an, a UFO or something under the ground, and, and uh, David brought it to my attention, and we've been bandying it about, but I haven't got a chance to sit down and watch that yet. So maybe that'll be that. This will be the encouragement I need to finally get him on the show. So, well, it's um,
3: always weird when there's an episode with the two of you, since you're on this network basically to replace him <laughs> for that semester when he was finishing his his uh, phd
0: I, yeah will the universe collapse if we're on the same show together like uh, that's a that's a good question um i think the only thing
3: <laughs> you did together was the ghostbusters episode
0: yeah no we did one something about um episode catholicism mm-hmm. too or catholic education oh, that's right yeah so, that, that was mm-hmm. a
3: very controversial episode of yeah. our podcast i know
0: i was glad to be left out of that um it was you all
3: made a bunch of ignorant remarks about catholicism and then it landed <laughs> on me somehow
0: it was Gilmore. It was it was Gilmore the one who, who offended everybody on that one. So isn't um, that the norm? <laughs> that's his role, right? So bad dog, we to call him. <laughs> well, <laughs> called him that in a while. Well, as you know, we're talking about Akira Kurosawa, a particular film of his today, and I want to just kind of real briefly, if we can, talk about our individual feelings about Kurosawa. I, I'll, I'll guess I'll start. I love the samurai movies right that's sort of my introduction to his his work and so all of those uh uh, you know ron and all of the um uh you know rashomon is the is not quite a samurai movie that we're talking about today but there's a samurai in it right but that whole world that he created that sort of uh middle ages in japan was always so interesting to me and i was always really struck by the um the care that he puts that he well, that the, his cinematographers put into the film. And I just think that they're uh, just as visual artifacts so interesting to look at. Uh, and then when you add in the depth of performance and, and the editing that he does, I just think uh, Kurosawa is one of the more interesting filmmakers that I've come across. And so I was really happy that... Over the last few months, we've been hinting at maybe doing a Kurosawa show at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it finally came to, to fruition. Uh, Michael, what is your sort of uh, history with uh, with him?
3: It's not a particularly deep history. Um, I, I have taught Rashomon a couple times in the classroom because I used to teach the two short stories that it's based on. So wanting to kill a couple of days of class, I showed the movie as well. Uh, and the, the students are never quite sure. Uh, what to do with it, um, and then I have seen Ikiru. Ikiru, I, I don't know how that's pronounced, but that's the mm. other that's the other Kurosawa I've seen. Mm. Uh, I, I like that movie quite a bit. I couldn't mm. show it in class because it's three hours long or some such. It's it's a very very long movie. It's an adaptation of uh, Tolstoy's The Death of Ivan Ilyich, um, and it's quite good. I have Seven Samurai sitting on my shelf. I own a a, a Criterion double disc set of it which I've never watched because it's so long and my wife won't watch it with me.
0: Oh it's
1: wonderful though. I'll just drive up there I'll drive up there then and we can watch it okay? Yeah
3: let's do, let's do that Todd. All right. <laughs> it, it's just they're judging me. I've had it for two three years. <laughs> you haven't watched it? Wow. No I know I'm terrible. <laughs>
1: Todd um, what about you? Uh, Well so I mean it, it's sort of twofold. I mean one we teach Rashomon and so you know that's where i really sort of reinvigorated an interest in kurosawa um but i i got in, into a kick at one point in time um checked out a you know basically all of the all of the shakespeare adaptations that he did yeah uh so you know you've got throne, throne of blood which is macbeth uh you've got uh, what's the one the bad sleep well which is hamlet mm.
0: um
1: and then ron is is king lear uh and i i just i i found his ability to translate sort of the essence of 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 some of shakespeare's themes into the setting of essentially always medieval japan um to be fascinating um so his i mean and, and you know the the as a filmmaker who basically did everything from, you know, from, from whether it's writing the story or doing all of the editing. I mean, everything, it's all Kurosawa, right? I mean, he, he does not collaborate much with those uh, as at least as I understand it, who are under him. So it really is his doing as a, 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 as an entire project. And so, so, I mean, the magnificence of some of these films that really derive almost entirely from this man, I, I find that as fascinating as the stories that he tells, the ways that he 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 um, crafts the 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 story, both visually but also
0: thematically. Yeah, yeah. And I
3: will say he apparently worked quite closely with his cinematographer on Rashomon.
0: Yes, um, I it. Uh, well.
1: Yeah. Right. Go ahead.
0: I, well, Go I gathered that. Miyagawa. <laughs> I think it's the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to butcher names, everyone. Uh, but yeah, I think <laughs> that one was right, but yeah. Um, and, and just going back to another thing on an earlier episode I did on Shakespeare, uh, with a, a friend of mine, who's a librarian, um, We talked a little bit about how what makes Kurosawa so interesting is that we think of Shakespeare almost purely as a linguistic uh, artist, right? We think of the language primarily, right? And yet he's taking all of the language out of Shakespeare and finding something um, essential beyond that. And and I think Mm -hmm. that his Shakespearean adaptations are really interesting in the way that he's able to translate Elizabethan English to visuals <laughs> in medieval Japan. And I think it's, it's really, really beautiful. So yeah. Um, uh, Carter.
2: All right. So, um, I, as with many of the things that I enjoy in life, um, it started with me simply wanting to see people fight. Um, so I, uh, I rented seven samurai because I'm like, that sounds like a cool movie. I was a teenager, maybe 15 and, uh, hunkered down and watched it one weekend and that pretty much caught me up. Um, so from there, I watched everything from, from Kurosawa I could. I've only gotten to some of the more dramatic pieces in recent years. Um, I've started collecting his films. Um, I've got about only like half a dozen now, so I'm pretty early But in the process. But um, as I got older, I really s- started to connect with the themes. Um, he's the first like great filmmaker that I really watched. So the first one who's really truly artistic and... Um, and as as uh, the others have noted, it, like is involved in every part of the process obsessively. Um, it was just, obsessive is something that came through in his um, his biography. I don't know if you guys have mm. read that, but it's um, it, it, it obsessive is exactly <laughs> the word to describe the guy. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, so you know the the samurai uh, period films I love. Um, I love the themes he draws out. I love the sort of universal themes that he draws from people like Shakespeare. Um, Ran and Throne of Blood um, are fantastic movies. And then um, some of the others like Stray Dog or Yojimbo. Um, they're all, I mean, they're just, they're fascinating to me. Um, the existential, the nihilist themes, the um, different ideas he's putting forth, uh, this, the context he's he's coming from in modern day Japan. It's it's all Um, interesting stuff and um kind of just started for me wanting to see samurai swords but uh it developed into a a real interest into his work Mm. and what he's trying to do so Mm. yeah uh, and go ahead todd
1: well i'm just curious um carter have you seen um i live in fear
2: i have not seen that.
1: yeah that so that's you know there are a number of his films too um which are uh Set in modern, you know, set in post-war Japan um, and where his his commentary really is on the existential questions for Japan in the wake of nuclear war, in the wake of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the 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 occupation by the U.S. and uh, at the end of World War, you know, after World War Two. Um, and that, that's one where he tackles that, that head on. Um,
2: yeah. And I've seen, I have stray dog and that one, mm-hmm. while more of a cop film, like a police film, it, it is, it's got a lot of implicit commentary on sort of, yeah, modern Japan and right. the sort of post yeah, post-war situation. So it's fascinating. Um, yeah. it is fascinating. It, it just visually, he doesn't even have to say that much visually. He's able to communicate a lot with that.
1: Oh, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna add another thing too. You know, one of the things about Kurosawa that I appreciate uh, as well is his influence on other filmmakers, right? Um, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, George Lucas is basically oh, yeah. is is running, you know, immediate, immediately upon what
0: Kurosawa Hidden developed. Favorites. Yes. Um. Yeah. Have, have you know if, have you seen um the Hidden Fortress?
2: Yeah, I, that's a great that's a great film I mean, too. I read that
0: that <laughs> was a major a influence on Lucas, and and <laughs> it's a new hope. <laughs> yeah, it is. You could totally. It, there are two like uh, fool characters. You could totally see C three PO and R two D two in in there, and it's it's and Han Solo is there and Princess Leia. It's it's a uh, oh it is such a, a source text for George Lucas. Uh, but keep yeah. going, Todd.
1: No, I'm going to have to uh, – I'm just writing that down just to make sure <laughs> I, I grab it. No, I – um you know, one of the things that we – I mean, this is jumping the gun here because we'll talk about this in, in a bit, I guess. But one of the things that we do is we look at Kabuki and we look at – you know, some of the scenes in Rashomon and we then go jump straight to any of the Star Wars uh, uh, films um, just to see some of these comparative elements that that, uh, you know, that, that where, where the, the, the influence is clear um, for 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 the students and. Um, have you That's ever? Not seen... even to
3: mention, like the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, yeah which is the, the Seven remake, Samurai, say, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> and and apparently there's a Western remake of Rashomon starring Paul Newman, which I'd never heard of. Right? Oh, I, huh?
2: I didn't know, you know, that. Jimbo, know. Yojimbo is a fistful of dollars. Yes. Yes. Exactly. exactly. It's the same uh, essential. And what's interesting that is what's going on there is that it's 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 also kind of an interesting cross cultural thing, because um, what he's doing is he's seeing he's like watching. Um, you know, American Westerns. Mm-hmm. And then he's making those films, which then get taken by Americans and made into more westerns. Right. Um, yeah. So he's copying the Western style and doing it so well that we then make Westerns out
0: of it. Um, I- Iconic really Western. Kind of yeah. yeah. Is, is it fair yeah, to like...
3: say that the samurai <laughs> occupies a similar space in like Japanese cultural imagination as, as cowboys do in American?
2: I would say so. Yeah, I don't really I mean, know much
3: about Japanese culture.
1: There's a di- there's a difference in that the social uh, status of the samurai is much different right. than the cowboys would be. But in terms of an iconic past stereotype, uh, heroic absolutely.
2: warrior kind of
1: thing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, in in uh, Kurosawa's samurai are always like post peak right i mean it's after the yeah. period of of samurais yeah, right. uh i mean this is yojimbo i mean this is after this is a wandering samurai with nothing to do no lord to really, serve yeah, anymore right yeah. and so wrong, and right. so they are sort of yeah yeah ronin right that's the word i was looking for thank you um and that that is the um uh so that makes them even closer to the cowboy they are sort of this that's wandering right. figure that's right. in that way, yeah, yeah. Um, and
3: the same the samurai in rashomon seems to be that as well oh yeah and depending on depending on which version of the story you're talking about you know Mm -hmm. they're they're undermining this notion of the heroic stoic samurai oh
0: yeah yeah. absolutely Completely. (laughs) completely yep well, um, we could talk about Kurosawa in general terms all day, probably. Um, we're here to talk about a specific film, and I wanted to, uh, to give it over to Todd. I know Todd, you, I don't know if people who don't, may not listen to the Book of Nature podcast, which you should be, uh, but if you're, uh, if you're not, you might not know Todd actually does a lot of work in Japan, and so I don't know if you want to incorporate that hmm. into this response, but what is sure. it that caused you to uh, request this particular movie to be uh, talked about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, one of the things I enjoy most about, <clears throat> about, about your show, uh, Danny is the way, um, when I'm on, when I'm not on, I mean, we're, we're tackling issues and culture that defy simple explanations or resolution. Um, and I, yeah, I, 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 guess I really appreciate this about all of our network shows really. Um, but what, what you do, what, what, what Danny does and, 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 any co-hosts for any topic, is y- you tackle those hard to hard to uh mm, simply categorize issues head on
3: mm-hmm.
1: um standing in front of the <laughs> standing in front of the bull of society like the fearless girl i guess uh, yes <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. don't don't go too far with that uh analogy i guess or we're in a heap <laughs> of trouble um but seriously um one of the one of the things about kurosawa's great works um and this particular, this particular film is that the film itself defies simple explanation, um, even, I think, particularly on the question of what exactly Kurosawa is trying to communicate. Um, as I see the film, he's not simply doing one thing. Uh, he's doing many things. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to talk about and speculate on some of the messages that, that we find in the film, um, even as we talk about the reasons that we would deem it a great, a great work of the film medium. Um, so I also, you know, I also suggested it as a as a vehicle for conversation. I think it, I I think it fits the sectarian review kind of vibe. Um, but I, I, I suggested it mostly because I teach it. Um, (laughs) in in our common first year course. Um, so those who haven't listened to Book of Nature or whatever you, I teach physics, but I also teach in our first year course, which is a, uh, you know, common for all first year students. Um, introduction basically to the liberal arts and sciences. Um, I mean, it's a mostly humanities course. We deal with a little bit of, 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 uh, of science too. Um, the course is called Paideia, after the Greek word for, for, for education. Um, and in it, we explore a number of genres from the novel to poetry, to short stories to philosophy, some scientific texts, drama, music, film, whatever. But we use the works... You know, we study them in their own right, but we also use them as vehicles to ask the great questions, um, including what does it mean to be human? Uh, What is it that makes us human? Um, Our spring semester, we deal with the question of knowledge. What can we know? Um, How do we know what our, you know, how do we know our knowledge is reliable and so forth? Mm. Um, And I think giving students insight into reading various things. Um, much more broadly construed kinds of reading than they typically have experienced is a great way to get them into this this uh, this life of of study in a liberal arts institution. Um, and that's why I teach in it because I love that that getting the students out of their sort of trying to get the students out of their high school mindset into one where their mind is open to really ask important questions and to think deeply, you know, and focused on, you know, on, on particular works. Um, we've just got done teaching it. We just finished last week. Um, so I'm raring to go to to keep on talking about it because it's (laughs) a film, it's a film that always begets a lot of really good, uh, good conversation, um, about whatever, you know, whatever questions might, you know, might arise out of the film, uh, we can get the students really talking and engaging, I think, with, with important things. So because it's so rich, um, that's, that's why I suggested it.
0: Yeah. And and it's really great. And one of the things when you are talking about Paideia, uh, the college campus is a space that has a lot of competing interpretations occupying it simultaneously. Right. And mm-hmm. the, the primary one, I think, in most people's experience today is this is where I go in order to be qualified for a job in four years right. when I'm done, right? And that mm-hmm. is not really what education in the classical sense is about. Paideia, to me, is a, is a form of pushing back on that. And I think it's a really cool, um, a, mm-hmm. a really, really great thing you guys do over there. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and also that that quality, that sort of competing narrative quality that you see in this film, uh, I think makes it a particularly relevant film to today's, like, political, the the scene of political discourse, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talk about, you know, the post-truth society, and we have a president who will just say things without even thinking about whether it's true, rather and let alone caring whether it's true, right? And people will just pass these uh, statements on as uh, as truth. And so being able to talk about a movie like this uh, I think helps us to reflect more broadly on a. a, a, a- a human experience that we're all sharing right now that has some sort of terrifying ramifications, <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. that this movie does open up a space for that. Uh, let's start talking about it. I guess just in terms of the story, and I, I suppose I mean this movie's like what seventy years old at this point. Uh, uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, there's going to be spoilers. Obviously, we're going to spoil the heck out of this movie, um, as Nathan said. We spoil with impunity. I think is he, how he put it on this. <laughs> uh, uh, so this, there basically one event has happened. There is a uh, a murder of a traveling samurai uh, who's traveling with his wife, and she is sexually assaulted. Uh, and there is a bandit who is involved with this, right? And that is the, 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 the events, the factual events. The, what the movie is about is the interpretations, the subjectivity of those events. And so we see it from four different angles. And I don't know how we want to... Um, parse this conversation out Um, but that is the story and so uh, does somebody want to start talking about the nature of this narrative a little bit?
3: Yeah um, I I can I can start there. Um, I I came to Rashomon through uh, and I I guess people who are who are familiar with me and my personality this won't surprise them but I, I came to this through the Rashomon effect that you see in a lot of television sitcoms Mm. Um, and and especially especially like children's cartoons. So the the Rashomon effect will be something happens and you get usually three stories. Uh, one person will tell it in such a way where they are the innocent victim and everybody else is terrible and so forth and so on. And it's it's played to great comedic effect, but the the events themselves are generally not what's up for debate. In Rashomon, it is the events that are up for debate. We know the samurai's dead, but we don't even have a sense of what he was killed by. Like basic forensic facts of the uh, of the murder or suicide, depending on how who, on who you choose to believe. Basic forensic facts are not available to us. So it's not just that the people we're looking at in the four different versions are different people in some sense in all four versions. It's, it's that we can't even agree on what exactly they did, except that the bandit and the wife had some sort of sexual relationship. I, I, I think in some tellings of the story, it's not even immediately clear whether it was a rape. Because, because when the bandit tells the story, she goes along with it. Hmm. Um, after after a minute or two and obviously rape by our legal definitions today but i i think even that is supposed to be thrown into doubt so what do you, what do you do when you have a set of facts that absolutely nobody can agree on even the basics and then you add into it the human ability or the human desire rather to make ourselves look good at everybody else's expense and and, and you have you have just a completely impenetrable Fortress of real life that's guarded by all these different stories and interpretations and moods.
2: Hmm. And, and it's interesting as a as a proxy that um, the person that they're telling this to in the, at the at the gate the Ashraman gate um, the the woodsman the woodman and, and the priest are telling this guy a story and and he seems throughout the film the person who's receiving the story to pretty much doubt every narrative interestingly
1: hmm.
2: he is no one the benefit of the doubt and um I, I mean after the first one he kind of does but then after this the second interpretation um it, it, he he kind of seems to just um think that it doesn't it doesn't matter
3: yeah <laughs> uh, well, they're the all they're all lying. false women lie
0: yeah right, right. <laughs> yeah
2: but, but,
3: but and the, the other thing worth noting is that you have the story inside the story inside the story so it's mm. being it's being told to this it's usually called the commoner in yeah. in documents about the about the film the 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 story's being told by the priest and the woodcutter to the commoner but the story they're telling them is that these stories were told in a court of law Mm -hmm. Um, to a judge who never appears because they're they're never
2: speaks even
3: well
1: you you are you are the judge judge,
3: and 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 they they rephrase your questions when you ask them what was i doing that day well yeah uh, so so, i mean the idea here is that you are being told you were being told to make this unmakeable decision right Mm. and then later you're told that even then you didn't have the full information
2: exactly Mm. and that maybe it doesn't matter What the truth
1: is. <laughs> one of the things that I think makes this this telling of this story um, fascinating it is that it is done with film. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is one thing to read. It is one thing to read the story. Um, and, 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 you know, th- the story from which the 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 basic narrative of this film comes from is is by a. Um, an author uh who lived from about 1892 to 19 sorry i'm just checking my own notes uh to 1927 uh Ryunosuke akutagawa um his story in a grove is the, the the basic narrative you can read that story and it doesn't feel quite the same as it does when you when you know when when a filmmaker actually films the different versions. I I just, I I think there is, there is, because, you know, we all think what we see with our eyes is, is inaccurate representation of, of real events. Right. And so now we see these contradictory stories being told through a visual medium. Um, That plus the fact that the judge who is hearing testimony is, you know, is sitting in your seat, they're speaking directly to you. Um, the fourth wall is broken in some sense <laughs> uh, yeah. because they're, 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 they're speaking to the audience. I just think it's an extremely powerful way of telling this very convoluted story.
2: Well, and the, the sorry, no Carter, oh. go ahead. I, I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of, um, of the cinematography, since you sort of mentioned that mm-hmm. um, Todd, it, like one of the sharpest contrasts I noticed um early on is the weather. Um, mm. Apparently Kurosawa was deeply dedicated to having a very rainy day um, for the Rashomon gate scenes. Man, and, did you find
3: it? That's the, <laughs> that's the rainiest scene in film history. A lot
2: of, I think it actually might be fake if I remember right. Um, mm. He ended up having to put some kind of dark, um, not oil, but something like, like dye in the water so that it would appear more clearly on film. Um, so I'm not sure how much of that's actually real rain. <laughs> um, but it's because, but but when you think about it, I mean, we start with that sort of chaotic, rainy um day, like down torrential downpour around the decrepit gate. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it switches, it switches to to the woodman telling the story, and he's t- telling the story about him, you know, stumbling upon the scene. But there it's, you know, peaceful, sunny. Um, and the, I, I, I kept thinking Camus throughout this whole thing, and I may comment about that later. But the the the, the way the sun functions in this is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah,
3: it is very l'étranger, isn't
2: it? It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sharp that sharp sort of contrast. I think is there's almost like a. a I'm not even sure, um, I'm I'm not sure I've quite gotten it down, but that, that sharp contrast in the weather, I think is significant. Um, the play is of darkness and light and, and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things seem to be, um, meant to, to, to have us, um, have a sharp, a sort of a visceral reaction to.
3: If I can pull you off your path for just a minute, um, to sell you some swords I found in a ruin. Yeah. Um, while we're talking (laughs) about Camus and the weather, you'll, you'll remember in the bandit story, he says, um. He says, "If there hadn't been a cool breeze, this wouldn't happen." And that too mm. made me think of Camus
2: yep, in Myth of
3: Sisyphus*, where he talks about the seeds of a person's suicide being sown for absurd reasons years before. And it's, it's, you know, it's, right. it's. That's the sense I get is that this is this is just a, a random accident.
2: Mm. So one driven of the by the wind to kill him.
3: <laughs> and so one of the things you're trying to do. In piecing the story together is not just figure out what happened, but if there's a meaning behind what happened, because mm-hmm. as it is, it seems so senseless.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And what the rain and the, the sun, those those contradictions those, uh whatever those juxtapositions, what they um, what they do is give you moments of, of extreme clarity butted up against moments of complete disorientation, right? And the same thing mm-hmm. happens when the woodcutter walks through the woods. That's this long scene of him going through the woods and yeah. the, the camera From work, multiple
2: perspectives.
0: Yes, exactly. The camera work shows you many positions of people looking at mm-hmm. him. Or we're looking at him walk through the woods from a number of different angles and from a, number of, a number of different kinds of shots as well. There are yeah. uh, there's sort of close-up shots of him walking towards the camera. There's shots of him walking away from the camera. There's yeah. These dolly shots that, sque- that uh, sweep across the screen, and we kind of mm-hmm. cut in front of his path, and so all of this uh, cinematography—excuse cinematog- <laughs> me—all the cinematography to yeah. uh, to kind of give you a sense impression of the confusion that yeah. the story is actually right. about in the story, uh, mm. and and so all of the the set design as well as the way the shots are uh, are performed actually I think carry through that narrative meaning.
3: You'll love this, Danny. Did you Did you know that in that shot where he's walking through the woods, he's walking in a circle, <laughs> and the camera is following him?
0: I did not know <laughs> this. Which
3: I mean, obviously, doesn't show up in the in the in the film itself. But if you're thinking about things that appear to be making progress, like hmm. trial, for example, really, you're just going in a circle.
0: Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Hmm.
1: Well, yeah, and you notice the first thing. What's the first thing you see? When, when he, when, when he appears on the camera, it's ax, it's the ax. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. And I think that
2: historically it's interesting that, that, I mean, that this is one of his samurai films because I mean, I think this film could probably be set modern day and it wouldn't necessarily, I mean, it, I don't know. I think it could be, it's not like the seven samurai where you're kind of, stuck in a period, uh, right, Um, in Mm. the same way. Um, But I I wonder how much the historical period that it's set in determined his choice, like, uh, was determined Mm. because of the themes. Um, Because the period is this sort of medieval Japan period, which is, incredibly chaotic. It's basically, you know, a, a meltdown, a feudal war between different warlords trying to gain ascendancy. So you've got this, you know, this broken down, destroyed gate in the middle of a, of a period of war, a chaotic society, nothing but strife, right? Um, and so I just wonder if he, he, he chose that as a fitting setting because there's a sort of parallel with you know, post post war, um, the post war mm. world that <clears throat> he's living in. I think. Yeah. Well, this, go ahead, mm-hmm. Todd.
1: Well, the the sorry, the the setting, the setting is, it, in 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 some sense, he's 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 taking directly from Akutagawa, because Akutagawa is setting this. Um, oh sure. You know, sure, Ra- Rashomon. Fair. You know, it, it, this this is the gate of Kyoto, right? Which was the ancient capital in the Heian period, this is the, you know, and, and, and beyond. But I mean, this is, this is um, the destruction of a, you know, the Imperial city. So the gate, you know, has huge symbolism as being broken down. And I mean, it really is set in a period of time where there had been great natural disasters, you know, serious, serious famine and, and, and Mm -hmm. whatnot. So, you know, I think he is, I mean, and, and, and he's, he's pulling that into the present, right? I mean, Ak- Akutagawa, right. Akutagawa is pulling it into the present in his present, which is 1920. You know, he writes these stories in 1920 and whatnot. And Kurosawa right. is pulling Akutagawa's adoption of this previous era into yet another period where Japan is, 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 you know, teetering on the brink of, of, of real disaster. um, so you know i, I you know I, the the choice to leave it in that uh you know twelfth century medieval era i i, I know i i surely is intentional and i think i think he needs to leave it there in 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 some respects, yeah, that makes
3: sense, yeah, I was just thinking about the wild west again and and how how appropriate a setting that is in the sense that i mean what you're describing of medieval Japan, and, and you mm-hmm. know, I know nothing about medieval Japan, makes it, makes it sound like post-civilization, right? It's post-apocalyptic. Mm. The Wild West, at least in our mythos of it, is pre-civilization. So this is a story that can only take place maybe when you don't have institutions that can offer structure and meaning to our lives.
2: Right, it's mm. lawless. It's, yeah. and,
3: it's and that's an why it's lawless a, the, place. The, the, the gate has crumbled, right? I mean, that's, right. the, that's the idea there.
0: Well, and mm-hmm. and the respect for the the position of the samurai. I mean, the samurai. I mean, this is more akin to a, a knight, right? And these are sort of uh, yeah. these are uh, you know whatever upper crust <laughs> people. And and so the the just the the social disintegration that you're talking about that is physically apparent in that gate that we see, that amazingly beautiful ruin Mm -hmm. that we see, that Rashomon gate, uh, is also apparent in the kind of lawlessness within the people and the lack of social bond. I think that's what, uh, that's what makes it such a tragedy is that people can no longer trust one another anymore about anything. Uh, And and that's, they're more upset about that. I mean, the priest talks about at the beginning, oh, we've got famines, we've got, you know, landslides, We've got earthquakes, blah, blah, blah. Billions of people have died. And they're obsessed with this one murder, right? Um, right. Because in this one murder, <laughs> you see what's truly abominable is the lack of uh, faith among people w- um, for each okay. other, right? And <laughs>
2: the priest says, I'm finally lose my faith in the human soul, right? He's, many men have yeah. died, but this one little thing is worse. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. To which the commoner says,
0: what's one more life? Yeah. Right.
1: Why, why are you worried about this one,
0: right?
2: The common sense of the peasant, right? right.
0: <laughs> what a what a deplorable right. that guy is. Um.
3: Right. I mean, it makes me it makes me think of war photography.
0: So yeah. I, I
3: read an article just this morning. It's April nineteenth. There was a there was a, another suicide attack in Syria mm. on Saturday, and there's a there's a photograph of a war photographer, a Syrian war photographer, sitting on the ground weeping after this attack and, and like, so 126 people died in the attack and Mm. somehow it's this, it's this one guy weeping that really breaks us or breaks a lot of people anyway. And I I Mm. think, I think talking about plague and landslide and famine and all that stuff is an abstraction. Mm. But what we're looking at here is, is a, a nearby concrete breakdown of the system.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and obviously I think, to one degree or another, we all feel that happening all the time as we get older. <laughs> but uh, socially at this moment, this is like a, a, a little uncharted for our American political system, right? And so, I mean, for me, maybe that's why I felt this movie a little bit more uh, than mm. than I had when I saw it years ago for the first time. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, should yeah. we uh, talk a little bit about the specific stories? Uh, so there are four sure. perspectives that are offered for the viewer of this film, um, viewer slash judge <laughs> of, of the mm-hmm. trial. Uh, so the first is told from the bandit's point of view, who's played by the the. great Toshiro Mifuni who's in many many Kurosawa movies and and he I hope
3: he he enjoys the taste of the scenery in this
0: movie (laughs) 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 totally chews it up right Um, Uh, and so uh, I don't know does someone want to tell the story from his perspective Carter do you want to do that
2: sure I can do that um, so, from the bandit's perspective, and um, I should say that uh, Mufune is notable for that. Pretty much uh, every movie, <laughs> He's, he's <laughs> gnawing away at it. Um, so, from his perspective, he's just uh, uh story starts with him. He's laying on the, uh, by the side of the road, just sort of relaxing. Um, we find out as it progresses that he's sort of a notable bandit around the area. Um, and so we find out later that his, his actions are not particularly surprising, but at this point he's still kind of an unknown quantity. Um, so, um, he, he's, I mean, he's even saying he's kind of, he's kind of a scoffer. He says that when he got caught, it's not because he fell off his horses because he stopped to, um, squat in the field. Um, <laughs> he's, so he's, he's kind of got a lot of bravado, right? He, he, he um, nothing is. Um, nothing ever catches him by surprise, according to him, right? Um, but you can kind of tell that it's bravado. So he's um, driven by the wind, as you said, as we said earlier, as we noted. The, 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 um, he says, the wind made me do it. So he's sitting there along the side of the road. The samurai and his wife go past. The samurai are walking, the wife on a, on a horse, um, covered with a veil. And what ends up happening is the wind blows through and blows her veil away from her face. Um, and he sees that she's beautiful and it sparks good old fashioned lust in him. And so apparently that's what drives his actions from there. Um, he said um, he would take the woman without killing the man, but he had to have her one way or another, right? He had no intention of killing the samurai, but he was going to take the man, the guy's wife. Um, so he's sort of swaggering and mocking the samurai when he first um, cuts across their path. He sort of jumps in front of them, and then um, he makes a. He sort of tries to lure the man in, and he, he makes him an offer. Says, "I discovered all of these sort of lost or buried um, materials, uh, swords and armor and whatnot, right? Um, and uh, if you come with me, I'll show you where they are." Now, the fact that a samurai even feels the need for profit like that—that—that that, that, uh, you know, a cheap profit is worth you know, going with this untrustworthy character into the trees is kind of interesting because that also demonstrates a certain societal degradation. I think, yeah. Um, you know, samurai aren't supposed to be money grabbing. They're supposed to rely on their Lord for that. Right. So this, that in and of itself, I think is kind of, kind of interesting. Um, but at any rate, um, the bandit lures him in. Um, and of course it's full of it um, is, is just trying to trap him. And he is he, he overpowers him and ties him to a tree and then he goes and says he wants to show the woman how pathetic her man was. He takes her and shows her her man tied to the tree. Um, and then the, I guess I guess we, we still want to call it a rape, right? Yes. But but from his perspective, he sort of seduces her, yeah. right? Like. Like, he makes her want him because of how awesome he is for overpowering and tying her man to a tree, the samurai to a tree, right? So, um, again, the bravado's there, where where from his perspective, she she ends up wanting him um, because he convinces her to. And then afterwards, um, she pleads with the bandit to kill the samurai, to kill her husband, because um, presumably... um, you know her, her 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 relationship with her husband's not great or the bandit is so much better or she's looking for an out and he's giving her one um that kind of thing um so so as far i mean that's that's really the bandit's story uh, largely he ends up saying that he just leaves um and uh and doesn't want to have anything to do with them and and so he doesn't really if I am I getting that wrong, it does does well, he essentially say he didn't do it, or no, did I?
0: They have a kind of a, a swashbuckling sword battle. Um, they, they cross swords right.
2: twenty three times. Yeah. He yes, says. you're right. Yeah. That's
0: right. That's and right. and then he kills the, the – the samurai gets stuck in the bushes or something. It's something weird. And, he and then he kills him while he's stuck in the bushes. But he sort of right. is victorious. And there's uh, there's two sword battles between the two in these two versions. Uh, and they're wildly differently uh, uh, performed. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and this is the one where it's it's heroic and it's kind of what you'd see in a samurai movie, right? Right. Uh, it's, yeah. Well, it's
2: lightsabers is what it is. Yeah, it's lightsabers. It, right, right. <laughs> So, so he's got the, he's the, the, um, and, and from the bandit's point of view, everything he does is, is sort of, you know, it's kind of like the, 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 the traditional view of the pirate, right? It's kind of wrong, but we love him for it. Right. Because yeah. he's so courageous and, and da- daring. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's essentially his perspective on this. Um, anything more you guys want to add to that? Did I miss well, anything else?
0: So one thing that is curious to me about the, um, his, 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 the filmed version of his story is his mannerisms during that section. He's always swatting bugs off of himself. Yeah. I,
3: <laughs> I wondered that myself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's it's like, the only well, one where
3: he does that. I know.
0: And I'm just, I, I was hoping you guys had something for me about well, that.
3: We, we watched this last night with some students. We had a, uh, a couple of students come over and watch it with us. And one of them said that it's an agility thing.
0: That oh. this is
3: to demonstrate that he's fast enough to kill these oh. bugs.
0: Okay.
2: It it's I would and, and that may um that may be sort of a deeper reason for it. Um but having watched a number of films with Toshiro Mufune, um this I think this might just come down to his acting style partly as well. <laughs> he does this kind of stuff. He's just got these mannerisms that are what make him so much fun as a character. Um I mean Seven Samurai, he does the same kind of stuff. It, um he, he has these sort of weird like skid uh, well like that where he's sort of he's sort of acting like he's distracted with things but not Mm -hmm. really um and it's sort of a part of his um it's a part of his his image I guess um so I don't know how much of it's just acting style and how much of it's um you know um like what you were saying Michael uh, some kind of subtle point being made.
3: Yeah, I, I, it just seems weird. Cause it's the, this is the only version of the story where he does that at all.
2: Yeah. That is interesting. I didn't notice that. So uh, I think you might, you might have something there. Although,
3: yeah. he, well it, it
1: is, but also if you look at, at him, not in the recalling of the events, but when oh. he is there with the policeman in the testimony, you know, in, 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 in the court, there are times where he's just staring up at the sun. Yes, like he's this mm-hmm. kind of yep. deranged individual. Yes, right. And so, I'm wondering if it is part of, and again, not having paid enough attention to Seven Samurai to recall this these kind of physical ticks going on. But you know, um, I I took that as just he's playing this you know this individual who was not quite mentally there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I mean, if, if I also, I also should say, I mean, his is the first long story, but it's not the first, it's not the first story um, uh, that's, that's a good that is that is told. And we should, you know, we should be clear there because the, the woodcutter actually has a very brief testimony at the very, very beginning so right. which he admits
2: is a falsehood later
1: well sure sure <laughs> but his his but it, but it, but it, but it's important to to you know in setting up the rest because what he what he tells so this scene of him walking through the woods that's part of his first testimony where he's right. uh, you know um and he says in that version that he happened upon the samurai who was dead who had been right. killed right. um and then we also have a little bit of a, you know, a, a testimony, and this is basically following Kudagawa story. Um, the the policeman who is there um, with uh, with Tajimaru, the 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 bandit, um, he gives his bit of uh, from Akutagawa, from the Okutagawa story, where he says he found um, the bandit stretched out on the beach having been thrown from his horse.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, right.
1: And he, importantly, he says he discovered him with the arrows, you know, with, with a set of arrows and a sword. Right. Um, which, uh, are ostensibly those of the samurai. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then is when Tajimaru breaks in and says, no, I wasn't thrown from my horse. I was right. getting a
0: drink. Or whatever. Right. Well no, I was sick 100%. because I, I took a drink and there must have been a poison snake. Something in the water. Yeah, that, that and made that's me sick. that's why you had to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <laughs> right. why that's why you were able that's how you were able to capture me kind of sort of thing. Uh, right. yeah. Right. Um I, I so in terms of his testimony though and you're right even before that todd the priest gives a, a brief testimony oh, true. about having That's seen true. the uh, the couple a few days earlier just on their way he sort of saw them before anything happened and then right. uh, was able to i guess identify well, the body and, or whatever yeah
1: right right and 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 he also there like he does in the framing story um, he gives his his two cents on the fleeting nature of human life and and what have you Um, but it's also, we, we also should note that the policeman says, yeah, I almost got the bandit before
0: Mm.
1: and, and now I finally got him. I mean, he, so, so if there's, if there's bravado, uh, you know, oozing from people, it's not just the bandit, right? right? The policeman has his, you know, need to show how important he is. Yeah. Um, in this story.
0: Well, one thing um, I I, I don't know if we we have more to add to uh, the bandits tale, (laughs) uh, we can. But one thing that stood out to me as I watched it again is that in every story, the person telling it claims to have killed the samurai um everyone right. takes credit for the murder basically uh, and they have different like backstories for the murder itself and that's established here i think uh Mifune says or the uh what's his name uh tajimura says that uh well you you have my neck either way <laughs> so i don't have anything to lie right. about right uh, but he right. does right what he has to lie about uh he's lying to himself i think as much as anybody else and i happen to uh have um uh kurosawa's autobiography here which is hilariously called something like an autobiography uh yeah. a, and uh and <laughs> at one point he talks in in filming this film uh he talks about and in recounting this film he says human beings are unable to be honest with themselves about themselves they cannot yep. talk about themselves without embellishing this script portrays such human beings uh and and, and i think that that's um like Clearly, the bandit's problem is he wants to feel tough and invincible, right? Uh, and 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 yet sort of honorable. And the different stories that we get, they're not so much calling into question who did the killing, but they're calling into question the character of the people in doing the killing. And, and I right. think that that's uh, that's what's sort of troubling, I suppose, about the story itself and why the priest and the woodcutter are so shaken by what they've just witnessed. Todd, do you want to talk about the the woman's story? I mean, she.
1: the The, the bottom line is, she says I was taken advantage of. Right. Um, that I was taken advantage of by this man who announced himself proudly as as the famous Tajimaru. <laughs> Um <laughs> which, which I which I which I found was uh, amusing, um, and uh, she spends a lot of time weeping um in 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 you know in the ground by her husband um she she looks at him after after this event and he essentially gives her the look of death the husband um right? the husband yes. right 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 i mean so you know he is he's is, you know he, there's there's this sense of shame right that that you have been um that you have been taken advantage of shame on you <laughs> i mean it, it, it is at least the 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 sense that the uh, that you get from that that deathly stare of his right. um,
2: might,
1: sir yeah, right, and um mm-hmm. you're it, there it, by the way w- in a number of places where you know while the samurai is bound um the camera is from his perspective,
0: yeah. Yeah. Which I find really interesting.
1: Really, really interesting. Um, But, uh, you know, so she is, you know, she is, she's sobbing. She, she uh, sees that uh, her husband loathes her um, and she has this dagger, right? um, That becomes important later and um, goes to her husband Right. I mean, interrupt if I'm wrong here, but I, uh, she, she cuts him free, right? She frees him from the bonds and then extends, you know, gives the, well, hands the dagger, or you know, extends the dagger to him and says, kill me. Yes. Right. Because, um, you know, my shame is known. Um, and he just continues to stare. <laughs> um, and. Uh, he
0: looks like my students looking at me at the end of a semester while, that's right when like, I want them to, yeah, like when you make like,
1: a joke yeah. <laughs> When I want them to read <laughs> yeah. When just I want them song to song read song one song song more song
0: book, song they just give me that look. Yeah. exactly.
1: Right. <laughs> um, and she then says she faints, right?, yep. And then when she comes to, the dagger is in her husband's chest.
2: And as, as she like before she faints, she's sort of advancing on him with the dagger, right in a sort of an attack position. It seems like
3: she like blacked out.
2: Yeah, me right. too. Right. 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 She just right.
3: doesn't know what happened next
2: and, and leaves right. the killing of him sort of ambiguous as to whether she did it or not. Exactly. That, that,
1: that that's, that's true. That's true. Um, and that's really it. Right. I mean, it's relatively brief um but the key moments there are you know the the a- after the assault the husband is 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 you know staring and sec, you know walled off I, I i I loathe you I won't even do you the favor of killing you yeah um and um and yeah I mean there is the ambiguity of whether she did in fact kill him um I'll, although you know I would I would say it, it it seems at least that that's the primary you know, interpretation we're supposed to take from this is that she just doesn't remember doing it.
2: And, and she's a fundamentally different character, isn't she? Because um, mm-hmm. the the bandit, I think they use the term something like, a, she has a fierce light yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that um, mm-hmm. from his angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but in her angle, she is nothing but a victim, right? Yeah, right. Um, she's, right. she's kind of pitiful and just like um, mm-hmm. completely taken advantage of even – and everyone's cruel to her, whether it's the bandit or her husband. Right. Um, so yeah, very, very, um, very different character in
0: mm-hmm. this one. In the law, too, though, I mean, she actually, at the end of her uh, testimony, like, appeals, like, so what is supposed to happen to someone like me? Like, so she's putting herself at the mercy of even the legal system, of the court court in this case. Uh, What can I do?
2: I'm just a woman. Yeah, yeah. And Mm
0: -hmm. so the only power a woman in her position has (laughs) is to be subservient to the power in front of her, in control of her at this point, right? And I think Mm -hmm. her ethical... The confusion about her ethical activity it, it comes from who it is that she's sort of hitching her wagon to so so right. to speak uh and, and yeah. yeah and and it's it's really i mean she really does make a good case for the fact that she has no rights right? i mean she's n- mm-hmm. nothing she right, really could she have done right really. in this situation right it's right. so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean she's a victim regardless of
2: of whose story you're taking really absolutely right. Yeah. The, the fact that in in so
3: many of these versions she is is ready to leave with the bandit i think tells mm. you something about what it's like to be married to the samurai yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. and the fact Rather,
2: that he dismisses her so readily <laughs> right right, right. Mm.
0: yeah um and the in and the samurai this is one thing we should elaborate on the samurai or the i'm sorry the bandit story uh, mm. is that He's initially attracted to her by that gust of wind moving her cloak in such a way, right? But um, mm-hmm. it, it, during the assault, she pulls out that dagger and comes at him, and, and he's like, mm. wow, this girl's hot, kind of. you know, like he's, <laughs> he, he's really impressed by her vigor, right. and, and you're right. I uh,
1: decided I must have her regardless.
0: <laughs> yes, and we see right. none of that yeah. in her version of the story. She completely right. elides any kind of agency that she has from her story, but- right?
3: In the bandit story, everybody is kind of an action hero.
0: Ah, uh, that's true. Right. And in, right. in
3: her story, they're both Jags, and 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 she, as you say, is this kind of she's deflated pretty... parachute. I mean, she she has nothing. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Even hmm. even her killing of her husband is passive. Right. right. She, she won't yeah.
0: even. Uh, that's a good point. She uh, isn't even awake Can't for it. it. Yeah. Right. Which I
3: wonder if she's playing on Japanese. Um, gender roles I, I don't know what those would have been in 1950 and i certainly don't know what they would have been in the middle ages
2: somewhat but, better than they were in the middle ages but not but yeah. but in the middle ages they i mean not not great though um and in the middle ages they were just i mean they were terrible the the uh, wives as i understand it were basically well let, let me put it this way if her husband had decided to kill her that would have been totally within his legal right to do that yeah. Sorry,
3: I was nodding. I didn't <laughs> just realized we're not recording <laughs> video, so you can't see me nodding.
0: We heard the wind rustling, you know, against the microphone, so um, and it and makes
2: you, me want more coffee. I'm like, I'm like, this is causing me laugh. to do things. <laughs> uh,
0: but on that wind topic, by the way, uh, the way that that's filmed is really interesting in, in the bandit story again going back one, Uh you have this shadow cast by leaves on his face as he sleeps against a tree and you see those leaves start to like rattle in the wind basically and his hair blows and stuff so the wind is even depicted in a really interesting visual way. Uh, and that's what kind of wakes him up to see the wind having yeah. uh, revealed the, the bride's beauty. And so uh, the, that's another kind of cinematic achievement, I think of the, of the cinematography in this film here. So
1: if, if you, yeah, if, if anyone listening really is interested in thinking more about the, the way the film is made, there's an interesting interview and I don't, I don't remember, I don't have the criterion edition, um of this but i am thinking that the video that i that i've seen of robert altman talking about Mm. kurosawa and his cinematography um uh might be on that might be on that disc uh but i've I've, you know there are clips of it on youtube and i mean just check those out because i mean robert altman is you know another filmmaker who, who is rather prolific. Um, and he speaks in, in glowing terms really about the use of light and, 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 you know, other natural phenomena in, in Kurosawa's films. Um, and he, you know, stresses the importance of so much of the stories being filmed in this sort of dappled light, you know, with, with partial shade everywhere. Yeah. Um, for for its symbolism uh, as much as anything else.
0: Yeah. And and another like uh, sort of shot technique that I noticed and if I bring this up too much during the show, when I teach film classes, this is, I really drive home film form, I think, mm-hmm. to talk about film. I mean, you're not just that's talking really about- That's really important with Paris <laughs> It is. And and he like yeah. really makes it a fun thing to do to talk about. But I mean, when you're talking about film, it's more than just the story that's being told. The shots mm-hmm. are put together in such a way to contribute to that story. And I think it's important to note. And one thing that you will notice when you watch this is the extensive and exclusive, I believe, use of deep focus and given mm-hmm. that, I mean, even something far in the background is in focus um, with mm-hmm. whatever's in the foreground, uh, including during the trials, the two witnesses. Um, yeah, you see them back there the whole time the, just sitting there. and Utterly mm-hmm. in focus. Um, at the yeah. end of the movie, when the woodcutter's walking away with the child, um, he gets far, far away from the priest and the priest remains in focus. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's that's that true. I think that's, that's a true. technique to uh, to me that speaks to the. Try the attempt that this movie is trying to make to get people to be unified, to get on the same page, right? And, and to be part of the same community. And so the film, mm. like uh, just cinematography in, in terms of cinematography does that. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think that that's uh, Is take a moment here and there to talk about the shooting. All, techniques. All,
1: although very interestingly, though, at the, the opening scene with the with uh, with the priest and and the woodcutter sitting at the Rosho gate, um, and I don't remember if the commoner is sitting in this in this particular shot that I'm thinking of, but um, it'd be more effective if he was. <laughs> yeah. But but they're looking in different directions. Mm-hmm. They're staring off in different directions, um, which I, you know, I don't know. But I do, you know, I, I, I do wonder whether that's an intentional um, play. On, Are you
2: talking about it right at the end there?
1: Well, I'm th- I'm thinking. No, i I'm I'm thinking right at the very beginning, where oh, where okay. the very first lines of the co- of the woodcutter writers. I don't understand. I just mm-hmm. don't understand. And they're sitting there and they're staring off into the distance, which we can't see because it's to the left. Right. Um, but their stare, their, their, the line, the, the, you just take their eyes, their eye line is, is they're totally
0: different directions. Yeah. And that, that is reproduced at the end though, when they're, when the priest okay. is holding the baby, they're, uh, they're both looking right. in different, d- different directions, uh, okay. which I right, mean, very... quite some time. yeah, I mean, the mm. sort of, uh, would we call this cubist, uh, the, the multiple perspectives of this, uh, mm. film, uh, is I think that that also works with that. Yeah. Um, I, Michael, I don't want to be selfish, but I really loved the third story, the dead man story. <laughs> can, can, I, can I take that? <laughs> take it. <pretty> <laughs> okay. Um it is actually kind of terrifying. So in this uh, in this uh film, the dead man offers testimony through a medium. Uh and so his story is told through a medium, and I kind of take it as this is a true account of what the dead man is saying the dead man just happens to be lying like everybody else. That's sort of the way I take this. The medium is utterly convincing to me. Uh, And and so that's how I'm – this is a little bit of – magical realism. I don't know if this necessarily <laughs> qualifies with that, but uh, it's
3: presented very matter of factly in the story. It is. It is. Yeah.
0: Um, and the true. medium is, is ter- her voice is, is horrific. And, and, and when he, ta- when, <laughs> it's uh, so awesome, it, it's really, really amazing. But his, from his <laughs> perspective, from and whether this is, I don't believe this is the medium making something up. I believe this, if it's being made up, it's being made up by the spirit of the murdered victim. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so this is my, the way I read it at least. And we, I guess we, if, I could be wrong on that, I suppose, but um, um, but so he basically says that um, after the assault, uh, the wife. Decides to run off with the husband, right? Um, and the variation on this is in the earlier story She says one of you has to die um, in order for me to sort of have any honor and that's I think this is in the bandit story uh,
2: She and, doesn't want to run off with the husband. She wants to run off with the bandit right right right, yeah.
0: right. and so right. If, in that version yeah, yeah in the right. dead man story what he says is um, She doesn't give the bandit the, like the honorable out saying, one of you has to die. I need a fair fight for my honor here. What, uh, she says is I want you to kill my husband. Right. And the bandit then is sort of, uh, appalled by this. Uh, and, and he doesn't want her anymore (laughs) basically. And, uh, then the, the, uh, the woman then sort of runs away. The bandit loosens the, uh, uh, whatever, ropes of the of the uh, or no the bandit goes off and tries to find her he can't he, she gets away from him uh and then he comes back and cuts loose the uh the the samurai and the samurai then sits there for several hours just sort of in this funk this depression and then basically commits suicide um mm-hmm. uh and and, and kills stabs himself in the heart with that dagger with the the with the woman's dagger um and then he says, and at some point somebody took the dagger from me. Like and, and he sort of recounts uh the, the moment between life and death. He he describes that in some really kind of kind of scary detail, actually. It feels very yeah. much like a horror film, frankly, uh in that in that moment. And then he describes his spirit being aware of when someone stole the dagger that he used to kill mm-hmm. himself. Right. Uh, and, and so, uh, he, he basically also takes credit for the killing. <laughs> he says, I did right. this myself. Right. Uh, right. B- as a way to sort of lie to himself. Uh, and so to me, Michael, I don't know, this reminds me very much of no exit. I was thinking of, of Sartre when I was uh, watching this, um, section and, not only the afterlife quality of it but the also the lying to oneself in order to sort of uh, avoid the truth of one's uh, existence that reminded me of of some pretty core existentialist stuff what do you think about that
3: yeah i i, I agree with that and it's that is that is dark <laughs> <laughs> well they say they say at the outset a dead man has no reason to lie right yeah like, but but even that, yeah. that doesn't keep him from lying
0: right <laughs> <laughs> well and that's when the priest gets really bleak though is when uh he if a if a dead guy is lying then nothing matters right i mean even right. even our metaphysical claims about the world don't matter not only is the is right. the the mortal world a, a joke but the immortal one is as well right what's, what's the proof content of lie, the afterlife though?
3: here it's still a bummer oh
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> what'd you say todd well, I'm saying,
1: what's the what, so? What is the content of the lie?
0: Of the the samurai? That he killed
1: himself, or that the dagger was taken out.
0: The that he killed himself, I assume. Yeah, 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 um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I mean,
1: no, but for honor's no, sake, right?
0: Yeah, it's an honor thing. Yeah. It's an honor yeah. thing. I mean,
1: the only honorable death is to be killed by another by by another swordsman, or to kill yourself. Right. Right. A but woman. In this
2: case, yeah. In this right. case, go <laughs> ahead. Right, sorry, Todd.
1: No, 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 that's fine. Um, uh, no, I mean so so if, 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 if presuming he is lying, he's lying about this to save his own honor. Um, right. and um you know, in, in, again this is another place where the where some of the thematic elements of the short stories come in. Um you know, his line there, he says something about, you know, he he's dying. He says it grows dark. Um, and a mist seemed to envelop me. I lay quietly in the stillness. Then someone seemed to approach me softly, gently. Who could it have been? Then someone's hand grasped the dagger and drew it out. The end of the Rashomon story um, is is one in which a, a, a crime, a theft has taken place. And the very, very end of that story is a hopeless woman whose clothing has been stolen, and she peers down into the darkness and says it, it, it does, the story ends with the line, Beyond this was only darkness, unknowing and unknown. Mm-hmm. So 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 to echo the existential, you know, angst here, I mean that's that that's where this is coming from. Right. Um and you still need to do a Camus story, uh, a, Cam- a Camus show on, on, on CHP. Just saying.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, I would like to hold out the
0: suggestion that maybe this is the true story. You know, I was just thinking hmm. maybe I'm, as Todd was talking, I was wondering, maybe that actually ties up some holes in another story. Maybe this is partially true. Go ahead.
3: Hmm. Well, we know that woodcutter stole the dagger. Yes. And the reason we doubt the samurai story is that right after it, the woodcutter insisted it couldn't have been true because he was killed with a sword, but the woodcutter would have a good reason to lie about that. So, I mean, it could be that this one's true.
2: Mm -hmm. But but there's one other element. Um, I mean, the killing is one thing, but um, the role of the woman in this one, I think, is maybe more questionable. Um, her trying to get the bandit to kill her husband. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess hmm. there's not necessarily hard evidence to say that that is, but that seems Im- more implausible to me. Um, that uh, that she would want her rapist to kill her husband <laughs> and take her off with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I, I I have a hard time from from the samurai's perspective. Yeah, I can see how he's he's seeing what happened to her as somehow her fault, and and so. Her actions are then um, sort of translated into this hostility towards him, um, because it becomes clear as we go along that their relationship is terrible. Um, but at the <laughs> same time, does that I don't know? Does that seem like the most plausible explanation of her actions in the in um, in the broader context?
0: Is it in this? Uh, go ahead. Um, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Well, no,
2: or or even that, like you know, the samurai, the bandit, like really you're, you're okay with being a rapist but when it comes to killing your husband all of a sudden you're freaked out I mean <laughs> that's that, that I, I have a harder time buying that too you know
0: well but the, the role of women is important to I mean they are not I don't think full citizens basically or, or you know what I mean and sure. so um, there's that but I actually also is this the, the story in which the woman basically says oh thank God you came I've been wanting to find someone to get me out of this awful samurai's wife life all this time uh, uh, essentially is that yeah is that this story and so she's sort of faithless in this story Mm -hmm. from the beginning too so i don't necessarily completely believe the dead man's tale that might have been how he died but there are elements of the the story Mm -hmm. that don't make any sense as well i think there are lies involved with this as well um now that could be it's one of those Mind puzzles, where you try to figure, <laughs> you put four stories together and try to figure out how they all which is the actual version, uh, and I wonder right. if the true story is some sort of amalgam of all four of these stories. Uh, I, I don't know that um, but um, well that seems to be that, that, that seems to be the general direction
1: that this is going, right right um, yeah. that the only way to the truth is to take what you can from the testimonies that you've got
2: right.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. Hmm. Um, my college, Mount Aloysius College, we recently uh, had a production of 12 Angry Jurors uh, uh, this spring uh, for the play. And it is almost like the other end of this uh, narrative hmm. device. It, this is, we don't hear any of the testimony. We just hear the jurors processing things that we haven't heard. And, and they sort of talk about, uh, the truth basically, and, and the weight of evidence. And, and I think in some really interesting class, you could put this movie up against uh, 12 angry men, that movie version of that, and, and talk about like both ends of that coin, oh. the, uh, the, the testimony and the interpretation of testimony. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, um, Hmm. So there is one more section. Uh, there is one more st- like official story uh, for the mm. for the movie uh, for the murder. And Michael, I, I, don't, I wonder if you'd like to take it. I do want to say that in Kurosawa's autobiography, he's talking about his his attraction to the story in a grove, and then he said. Uh, uh, at the same time, I recalled that In a Grove is made up of three stories, and I realized if I added one more, the hole would be just the right length for a feature film. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so it's almost like this fourth is just to make up screen time, right? But I think there's more going on to it than that. But what he's willing to admit to in the biography, at least, is that this was just a, a pragmatic decision about running times. Uh, but the, the fourth one is the woodcutter's uh, tale.
3: Well, this is the demythologizing one. Yeah. Um, this this is the one where everybody comes off as venal and kind of useless.
2: Right.
3: Um, so again, this time we we find out that the woodcutter was watching the whole thing the whole time. That he didn't stumble across anybody. That he knew exactly what was happening and when. And the only reason he didn't mention it earlier is he didn't want to get involved. <laughs> At the trial. Yeah. Uh, which is not an excuse. I I understand why he didn't rush out and stop the, the fight from happening, but I don't understand why he wouldn't have said anything at the, uh, trial, except that he stole the dagger and didn't want anybody to, right. (laughs) Didn't want anybody to find out. So, um, here, when we when we stumble across the scene, Tajimaru is down on his hands and knees begging this woman to run away with him and marry him. <laughs> yeah, and then he'll even stop being a bandit. He's got <laughs> enough put away where he can give her a very lavish lifestyle. <laughs> so we see right away that he is not the uh, kind of swaggering Errol Flynn type he imagines himself to be that <laughs> really he is a, he is a weak man. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> As is the samurai. But <laughs> Right. right? Yeah.
3: So, so the, the woman, That's the, sword woman fight, the woman is uninterested or kind of semi interested. So she unties her husband. To fight for her The uh, husband is not interested in doing so Um, So the woman tells him That he's not a real man And then she tells Tajimura That he's not a real man And that really they should be fighting over her honor When they finally get to it It must be one of the most hysterical Sword fights in films Very bad. Um, Tajimoru can't walk with a sword without almost falling on it. He falls three or four times. I, I don't know how oh, he has. Least. He hasn't fallen on his sword. If, if he's a <laughs> bandit who behaves this way, um, both of them drop their swords frequently. There's much more wrestling than actual fighting, and Tajimoru wins because he just happens to uh, the 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 samurai just happens to have fallen in a corner where he couldn't get back to his sword. And uh, Tajimura very reluctantly kills him, um, but the woman runs away and doesn't leave with Tajimura. So uh, that's the that's the that's the story. It's it's all of them are very bad at what they do. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's for his life, which is which is something we don't see from him in any of the other stories. that the, he is this kind of weak, cowardly man who doesn't want to die. Uh, very, I, I would suspect, yeah. very uh, against the cultural image of the samurai. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: very uh, samurai thing to say.
3: So, um, the, the, as I said, the woodcutter's version of the story basically just undermines everything. It's the demythologizing story
0: yeah i feel like this would be if we had a christian humanist sword fight this is what it would look like if we were all just sort of running away from each other
2: Hey man, i've fenced before so don't don't project your insecurities on me (laughs) but
0: okay so and you michael do you like accept this as the the unqualified i mean obviously not unqualified no but so i guess i guess everything could be true except that Uh, the bandit kills him with the dagger instead of the sword. I mean, I suppose if you you could take it, that is what really happened except for that detail. He didn't pick up the sword to stab him with. Um, The
3: woodcutter's so flipped out at the beginning of this movie that I have a hard time believing he's just making this story up yeah you know what i mean and so part of what's flipping him out maybe bandits and samurais don't act like the way bandits and samurais are supposed to act
0: yeah right
3: But on the other hand in a movie about how everybody's telling self-serving lies i also have a hard time taking it at face value either so if somebody said well that's not the real story either that wouldn't surprise me at all
2: well and he does have a bias right um the, that's the problem with the woodcutter is that uh, of course someone who's a peasant who's on the low scale of the, of the social structure mm. is going to view both especially samurai but samurai and bandits in the worst possible light so mm. his his bias makes it at least for the the other people like the judges or the other which is maybe why he doesn't bring it up partly but to to other people within that society his um yeah, his testimony would be suspect simply by the presence of his bias. Now, as the person watching the film, maybe not, um, mm-hmm. but uh, he's definitely um, he definitely can't be seen as uh, as having sort of a, an objective view necessarily either. Uh,
0: is that only because we know he stole the dagger? Like, you know, if that didn't, if that little detail didn't come out, would we accept this as the unqualified truth? Uh,
3: well, perhaps,
2: well, perhaps
0: because it's a peasant.
3: Perhaps because he's such a coward,
0: Hmm.
3: maybe he has a vested interest in making everybody else look like a coward too.
2: Mm.
0: Right. Yeah. And and so, I mean, is there, I mean, Todd, do you think, is there a, a, go ahead.
1: Well, why, so, so why, if, if, if he's made this up, why is he so confused? Why, why at the beginning is he Hmm. sitting there saying, I don't understand. I just don't understand.
0: Um, that's a good question. <laughs>
1: uh, well, although he does say, I don't understand my own soul here right at the end.
0: Uh, that's true.
1: So, so, so maybe he doesn't understand why he stole this dagger. I don't know, but I, I, I have tended to to view his second testimony there as the closest to what actually occurred. Uh,
2: I think that's plausible. Yeah. At least, the, yeah. at least it's the closest.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah and it, and also it makes sense that this is what the bandit is covering up for and this mm-hmm. is the kind of faithlessness that the bride is covering <laughs> up for right mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. so it makes their lies make more sense and it makes mm-hmm. the uh the samurai the dead samurai's pride make the most sense as well right and so mm-hmm. with i uh, so i mean i suppose i can see a version of the story where Like I said, what happened was that this is what it happened with. Instead of picking up that sword to stab him with, he stabbed him with the dagger uh, and left it. And so, and everything else was pretty much as the woodcutter said. Um, But Mm. he left that detail out to cover his own sort of complicity in stealing. Um, And so... um, so or or maybe it is that we're just never supposed to know, right? I mean that's that's kind of the point. Uh and right. in perspective is everything. Right. And in light of that, how do we approach if we can't ever know the truth about something, how can we have a civil how can we have a society? I mean, what and so I think that's the the key question that this film is is asking, the utter faithlessness between men uh between not just not just biological men between mankind. Right. And so, um, and, and and so at the end there's a little framing device uh, with this baby that shows up Mm -hmm. at the end. Right. Um, Todd, do you want to tell us about that?
1: Well, so um, as, as this uh, discussion comes to, comes to an end, you, you suddenly, there's two things that happen. Um, The, the rain is getting steadily less. Right. I mean, yeah. it's it's still raining, but it's not raining as hard. And you hear this baby crying. And so, um, you know, you've got the, the three men, you've got the woodcutter, you've got the commoner, you've got the priest. Um, uh, hearing, you know, they, 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 they hear this baby and what they come upon is, well, I guess the commoner leaves um, first and the priest and the woodcutter are sitting there and he goes around a corner. Um, so you see him, you see him walk off around the corner and then the, the two others follow. And what they, what they find is that there is indeed a baby there. Uh, and the commoner is, is, is tearing the clothes off the baby. So the, the, ba- you know, the baby has been left in a, uh, in a kimono and he's taking the clothes. And they, conf- they they confront him and 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 say how can you um, you know how could you do this, um, and uh, the commoner says what's what's wrong what's wrong with this if you know someone else would have taken the clothes not you know if I didn't, um, and and the woodcutter comes right out and says you're evil, and he hmm. he says well what about the ones who left the baby yeah <laughs> yeah and um. Then there's, I guess, there's an amulet left. Uh, so the woodcutter comes to the defense of those who left the baby and said, "Look, they 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 left it to uh, with the protection uh, of this amulet here, and um, you know the the the, but the discussion then I, I goes on to talking about what does it mean to be selfish and you know how can you talk you know. Um, because you know the the woodcutter's been exposed as this one who stole the the the, the dagger, and and the commoner saying who's calling who, you know, selfish, um, and uh, let's see, do do you do you recall? I'm 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 forgetting how the commoner. Actually exits. I mean, he just runs off with the the kimono, yeah, leaving right. the baby the, the priest, just, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. laughing says, maniacally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. That, that's as he does. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, and the priest is sitting there holding the baby, mm-hmm. trying to calm it down. And it's very, you know, it's it's it's, it's very quiet. No no speech for a a, a bit. Um, and eventually, what the woodcutter does is say. Um, Oh no! He goes to grab—he goes to grab the baby, or 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 at least right. to take the baby from the priest. And 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 the priest says, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and yeah. he says, "Well, I have six children of my own, and what's one more?" Um, and the priest then is all apologetic, and um, has a change of heart and and and, and essentially says, um, "Look." You, you've restored my faith in humanity.
2: Yeah, th- thanks uh, to you, I think I can keep my faith in man. Right,
1: right. Um, Which is
3: weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is it though? Is it? No, no, the priest. The priest is looking to believe. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, he 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 is. He is.
1: Um, because all throughout this, he's he's been bemoaning the fact that you know that human beings are so awful. Um. And, you know, this, this woodcutter has nothing, but is at least willing to take in this baby and says, I don't blame you for being suspicious. You can't really, uh, you know, avoid that these days. Um, And, you know, as basically as this resolves, the rain stops completely and the sun comes out and, you know, you've got the shot of the. Uh, of, of the woodcutter walking away with the baby. And, um, and he
2: seems, I mean, and this is, if I could just uh, comment yeah. on Shimura there, Takashi Shimura, um, yeah. who's a great actor. Yeah. Like, he's, his face, or the way he carries himself is very different. He almost seems mm. much more purposeful, and and I don't know if content's the right word, well, but at least at peace like, right? ex, a, a piece with the way, yeah, with, with this, because he's acting in this self-giving sort of way. Yeah.
1: Oh, totally, totally. Um, and he's he's the main character in Akiru,
0: right? Which is yes. a fabulous move.
2: And, and Seven Samurai, he's one of the main characters yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so I feel like the ending is obviously meant to be an optimistic one, right? I mean, there's I don't think there's any question mm-hmm. about that. But I don't think it's meant to wrap up the problem of truth, right? I, I think what mm-hmm. it's suggesting instead is that um, – in a world where we can never know anything right the only thing we can do it's solidarity right we need Mm -hmm. like Uh, some some sort of um caring for one another your problems are my problems sort of i am you kind of thing uh Mm. right before this the priest says if men don't trust each other then this place is hell right Mm -hmm. and so this is uh the the problem that that people are facing and so in spite of not knowing and not having kind of visual or evidential like uh, evidence <laughs> that's a terrible <laughs> term uh <laughs> um, any it's evidence english right I, sometimes yeah <laughs> I, i've taught it for too long this semester is the problem uh, so uh but yeah without any evidence uh you, you still have the responsibility for others right and Mm -hmm. and so and without that there's there's i mean this place is hell um because of the relativity uh that we all sort of face um and so and also i was thinking when you were talking todd about the um the the commoner Mm -hmm. when confronted about stealing that kimono he said and and being called evil he said well what about the parents that left the baby right and so Mm -hmm. that i mean isn't that the first Argumentative stance anybody takes today, and we call it whataboutism, right? right? Uh, right, right. And so this well, is, says, yeah. Go ahead, Todd, Cutter.
2: Well, he just says what's wrong with being selfish. Yeah,
0: right.
1: <laughs> if you're not <laughs> selfish, you can't survive. Right. Right.
0: Exactly. Right. Uh, and and yeah. so I feel like the, the, um, that's another moment where I totally see us dealing with the same kind of, uh, you know, sort of moral climate that, uh, Kurosawa was dealing with in this, in his version of this story. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I think that it's, uh, um, it's all the more profound for us to think about it in some way. Michael, yeah. though, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Carter, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say that like the peasant seems to be something of a nihilist compared to the woodcutter who's pessimistic for sure. But, um, mm. but like you said, uh, uh, uh despite how terrible everything is, he takes action. He takes the right action, even if the right action doesn't seem to make any sense and probably won't make any difference in the grand scheme of things. Right. He, he takes the right action as a single individual, um, and that's better, or portrayed as better, than the nihilistic approach of the, of the, the, the peasant who takes a kimono.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's at least willing to allow himself to be depressed over the situation instead of just accepting it right. as natural, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and to, uh, yeah, he didn't
3: laugh about it.
0: Yeah. Um, so any thoughts, any further final thoughts on this, guys? Hmm.
1: Well, I just, you know, if anybody's listening that, that has the opportunity to include something like this in, in a class I, you know, and I don't really care what kind of discipline you're talking about. Um, well, at least broadly in the humanities, it, it's a it it really does offer fantastic points of discussion
0: um, you know, across the board. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel I'm so like I roll my eyes so hard they practically flip out of my head when I when I, <laughs> <laughs> when, when I see uh, these articles about. And, and inside higher ed, how does help your students spot fake news? Like they know what fake news is. They just don't mm. give a crap, right? That's the problem, <laughs> like, you know? And <laughs> right, so, <that's> <laughs> yeah. And so showing them a movie about this is about giving a crap, right? <laughs> and so, and, and right. being, being, allowing yourself to be disturbed. So, mm.
2: so yeah. So if, if I could say one thing about Kurosawa, one last thing about Kurosawa himself um what's kind of interesting is is taking his corpus as a whole and you look at this film which is an early film and it's a such a a wonderful film and i love that despite the negativity of the content he does have this optimistic note at the end right that Mm -hmm. there might still be some faith to be had in humanity um that's not where he ends up in his own thought, though. Um, I always mm. I kind of contrast this ending with the ending of Ran. Mm. Um, so, spoilers alert! Uh, yeah. You know, skip ahead a minute, uh, people listening, if you don't want to hear this. But at the end of Ran, where it's it's you know a world burning, a castle burning, and the world burning around, and there's a blind guy on the edge of a cliff, and that's how it ends. <laughs> right, a blind man who's been victimized by everybody on the edge of a cliff about ready to Mm. fall off while the world burns. And that seems to be where he ends. Mm. Kurosawa ends his vision of humanity. So uh, it's hard not to see him as having lost hope um, Mm. through his own work. But um, that's maybe one reason why this early film is is in some ways a better film, um, because he hadn't quite given Mm. up yet.
3: (laughs) Mm. Uh,
2: There's an interesting contrast there, is all I'm saying, between those two. And 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 sort of playing the the running themes off each other. Yeah. Uh,
0: so. Yeah. Um, Michael. Did we lose him? Oh, we may have lost Michael. Um,
1: well, I I can I can offer one more thing. Just just uh, to contextualize the film a little bit. I mean, so um, when when Kurosawa makes this film, I mean, I, and I believe he. He starts its conception in forty eight. Um, uh, the Tokyo trials have been going on, um, mm, right. So yeah. this is like the Japanese version of the Nuremberg trials, right um dealing with you know any number of Japanese war crimes, including uh, Japanese war crimes in uh, in Manchuria, right. And the public had um first contact with photographs from Nanking and 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 you know other other events which are notorious in in Japanese military history. Um, and so I I I've got to think that in some sense what Kurosawa was doing in starting this film with I don't understand is voicing the public reaction to yeah. to you know what they have just witnessed
0: that's a great point yeah absolutely right i mean it, i mean we can't ignore the fact that this takes place i mean this is filmed within a decade of the, <laughs> the dropping of the bomb right and in, in the, in the Five, war six right? years yeah yeah and it
3: takes place in ruins yeah
0: right yeah absolutely right, right, right. right. and so yeah cr- even though it's medieval in its setting japanese mm-hmm. history um, is a still a current thing. It's current mm-hmm. Japanese history that he's talking about. On, Absolutely. On, on some levels uh, in there, yeah. Um, well, mm-hmm. fel- uh, Michael, do you have anything to add?
3: Yeah, it just so happens we, we watched this right after we finished season two of Fargo.
0: Oh, interesting, <laughs> okay. So I'm
3: thinking I'm thinking about <laughs> Camus, because I don't know if you guys right. have seen that, but Camus runs throughout. A so character is reading The Myth of Sisyphus the whole season. Oh, interesting. The whole season. Uh and um, oh, I'm going to watch it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. And I'll try not to spoil anything, but the the character who's reading it talks about how death makes life absurd. Mm. Um, you know, which is right out of Myth of Sisyphus. And another character says, "Well, I don't think that's true. I think you um I think you're given a job to do and the little time you got to do it. And I don't think when you, when you stand in front of the good Lord saying some Frenchman's joke is going to get you off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't help but think about that. When the, when the woodcutter walks off with that baby at the end, yeah. if you, if you take it seriously, if you if you if you believe that the woodcutter is actually going to take care of this child as if it's his own, if if he doesn't have mm-hmm. some sort sort of ulterior motive. I don't think we've seen anything that makes me think that the woodcutter is a child murderer. Right. No, or that right. he's gonna sell the the kid into slavery. He is he is kind of striking a blow against that that kind of camusion
2: hmm. absurdity. Right. Hmm. Yeah, the only blow can the only blow he can, right. blow he can deliver.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So in the ways, the many ways in which this film is existentialist, uh, Mm. it does reject the move towards full absurdity. Um, I think. Well, okay. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Camus
2: Nobel prize, where a speech where he articulates a very similar thing though, where he, he essentially says that, um, the task of uh, of of human beings is solidarity to avoid destruction. Mm. And towards the end of it, he says, if um, I'm paraphrasing here, he says something to the effect of, if the effort to prevent you know the the, uh, the destruction of our of our of our species is f- um, foolish, um, not trying is cowardly, mm. right? And that's kind of what I see here at the end too. Like maybe it's a pointless excursion to try and do something good by saving this one little child, but to not try to do something is cowardice, and foolishness is better than cowardice. Hmm. Um, in the well, and
3: even the myth, even the myth of Sisyphus doesn't suggest inaction;
0: it just right, suggests right.
3: making your own action. I mean, the 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 real argument. The, the, the person who's reading Camus, I'm not sure, has fully internalized the lesson of Myth of Sisyphus in, on Fargo. Mm. I think in, in in her way, the character who makes that speech about... I, I'm sorry, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't mm. seen it. Um, the, the character who makes that speech, I think she is actually the more Camusian. It's just he would say that that, that mission you, you see yourself accomplishing doesn't come from God. It comes from yourself.
0: Mm. Right, right. Hmm. Well... That's interesting. And actually, this is way too late in the show to even bring this up. But, um, as you're, <laughs> we're already over time. Yeah, but, <laughs> but as you were talking there, Carter, um, I, I do. it makes me wonder about the woodcutter's story. And uh, even if he's overemphasizing the cowardice of the two combatants in that fight, I mean, it, it, that even I mean, demonstrates that they want to live, right? I mean, they, they're mm-hmm. not out there just like – throwing themselves face first into death they realize how horrible i mean the 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 finality of death right and so even if he is making that up that is also consistent a bit with an optimistic uh, view of life on some level uh so again
2: and what the samurai says about death i mean it's pretty dark like you were saying earlier yeah
0: yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. Yeah, um, yeah that. I, so that that said, well, this has been a bit of a long episode. But you know, it's a long movie, right? So it's not that long a movie actually. It's only, <laughs> no, it's eighty eight minutes. Yeah, it's not, it's not even I it's, it's not even. <laughs> I think a, we're
1: pushing up against the length of the film. Here.
0: Yeah, we are probably over it. I think. Um, <laughs> and, and so, um, but it's definitely worth your time. Uh, the, the not only the philosophical and sort of religious themes that this movie makes one think about but just as a a piece of you know cinematic history this is a very important movie to watch and, and if you appreciate cinema this is almost like a foundational text for you to uh to watch and and the and to pay close attention to its construction it, it is uh it is a masterpiece uh for and, and thought of so thought of as such for uh, for good reason um fellas uh thanks so much uh for joining me this was a lot of fun i i uh, enjoyed watching that movie again and i think i enjoyed talking about it even more than i enjoyed watching it. Uh, and for that, I thank you. So uh, y'all have a good day and thanks uh, for listening. And remember to go off to the iTunes page and like it and uh, leave, leave us a review. And uh, don't forget the Facebook page. If you have any comments about this episode, that's a great place to uh, to leave those as well. Um, and so for that, I'm Danny Anderson for Carter Stepper, Todd Pedler, and Michael Farmer. Thank you and have a great day.